You're listening to the Grow Your Own Food Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you grow fresh fruit, vegetables, and even grains in your own backyard. In every episode, you'll get growing tips, recipe inspiration, and more. Ready to get growing? Then let's jump in. Hey friends, and welcome to episode 85 of the Grow Your Own Food podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Smith, and today we are talking about how to grow quinoa. Like I said at the end of the last episode, quinoa is a superfood. It's really, really good for you, but there are a couple of other really, really good reasons to learn how to grow it, in addition to the fact that it is a superfood. Also, there are some really helpful things to know if you're wanting to grow quinoa, especially if you're setting about growing it for the first time this year. So we're going to dive into all of that in the coming minutes. But first, a word from our sponsor. So I feel like the term superfood gets thrown around a lot these days. Like, what the heck does that even mean? In the case of quinoa, quinoa is very high in antioxidants and nutrients like vitamin B6, iron, copper, thiamine. It's also really high in fiber, and it's a complete source of protein. It has all those amino acids. It has like a complete amino acid profile that, you know, most vegetarians or vegans, since they can't get that from eating meat, they end up a lot of times eating quinoa to get enough amino acids and and protein in their diet. But in addition to quinoa being a superfood, like I said, there's some really, really good reasons to learn how to grow it. Number one, it's really expensive to buy, you guys. Like, I, I, I feel like it's getting less expensive now, now that it's becoming sort of more popular. And especially if you buy it in bulk, like I, if I am not growing it in my garden, like I just don't have room for it that year or I don't, you know, feel like dealing with it that year, I buy it in bulk at Costco. And I have found that that's the most cost-effective way of buying it if you eat a lot of it. But it's, it's still kind of pricey. So it's good to know how to grow it. And it's also really, as long as you know the tips and tricks, the ins and outs of growing it, kind of like most things, it can be pretty easy to grow. You might get the idea that it's a fussy crop and there are, you know, a few watchouts, but it's heat tolerant up to temperatures in the triple digits. Quinoa can handle the hottest Midwest summers, in my experience, as long as it gets enough water and proper support, which we're going to talk about here in a second, but very, very doable. It's just, there's some things that are nice to know ahead of time that can help you prepare and give you a better shot at success. So let's go over the very first thing, and that is that rabbits like baby quinoa. Rabbits like everything that is a tender, young, green, you know, that's freshly sprouted out of the ground or freshly transplanted outside. Rabbits will eat your quinoa. Once it gets bigger, once the plant gets bigger, it tends to get a lot more sort of rough and woody and definitely not as attractive to rabbits. So once they get to, I would say, 12 to 18 inches tall, you don't really have to worry about protecting them or covering them. 
rabbits will leave it alone. I don't really have a ton. I have some deer in my area, so I don't really know if quinoa is a worry with deer. I It's a grain, you know, so if you have grown grains before, like corn or things like that, and the deer bother it, then I would assume that the deer will come and eat your quinoa if given a chance. Otherwise, I really haven't noticed an issue with other pests. They don't really seem to attract any sort of beetles or bugs or caterpillars, anything like that, at least not in droves that made me notice it. So it's fairly trouble-free once you get past, you know, the tender green stage that would interest rabbits. The second thing that is really handy to know about quinoa is that it looks a lot like a common weed. And that weed is known as lamb's quarter. Some of you, you know, you may be herbalists or budding herbalists and you know that lamb's quarter, while yes, is a weed, it can have some really helpful uses in your herbal medicine cabinet. But to most people, lamb's quarter is a weed. And it is amazing how much lamb's quarter and quinoa look alike. Not that surprising given that they're cousins. You know, they they come from the same family of plants. But when you're first learning how to grow quinoa, you need to keep really close tabs on where you planted it, um, especially if you planted it, sowed it directly in the garden. And be careful not to accidentally pluck it out in a weeding frenzy thinking that it's lamb's quarter. I make sure to mark my rows of quinoa with string typically that are tied around posts in a line so that like I know if it's not along this line of string until it emerges and I I can tell the difference then I know it's a weed. Probably the easiest way to tell between lamb's quarter and quinoa is that lamb's quarter their leaves tend to be sort of like fuzzy if you if you look at them from a little far away they almost look like they're covered in sort of some sort of powder whereas quinoa doesn't have that look and it doesn't have that sort of fuzzy feel to the leaves. Third thing that's really helpful to know is quinoa seedlings are super flimsy and it's astonishing once you actually get them to grow successfully and these stalks are just monstrous and heavy. It's so crazy to experience starting it from seed and seeing how crazy flimsy they are. At first, the first time I tried to grow quinoa, I sowed it directly out in the garden because those were the directions on on the seed packet. I did not have good luck with it when I sowed it directly out in the garden. It just, it took a beating from the spring storms and the wind, and it just, it didn't survive. After that, I tried starting quinoa indoors first, giving it a decent amount of time to get bigger then hardening it off, and then transplanting it outdoors. And they did remain floppy for the first week or so after I transplanted, but they straightened up not too long afterward, and they did much better, well, considering that the ones I I sowed directly out in the garden, you know, ended up all dying. The ones that I started inside gave a head start, did, did much, much better than sowing directly outside. It also helps you, you know, tell your quinoa seedlings apart from lamb's quarter. If that is a common weed where you live, if anything that springs up that isn't right where you planted, you know, you planted seedlings, so you know whether or not it's a weed. 
The next thing to know is that quinoa gets top-heavy. And wowza, when I say quinoa gets top-heavy, I mean it. This was the silliest part of learning how to grow quinoa for me. My quinoa gets six or seven feet tall. And once the seed, um, I would say bushels, for lack of a better word, I can't think of the technical term right off the top of my head, but once the seeds start to come in, you know, those actual grains that you harvest, the plants themselves, the stalks, get very top-heavy. And it's really easy for them to get blown around a lot and sometimes fall over and uproot themselves. The stems are fortunately pretty flexible, so they typically don't snap, but they do get in the way, they flop all over, they create a mess. So once my quinoa is, I would say, about 24 inches to 36 inches tall, I stake it to steel gardening stakes to keep it from getting too out of control. I definitely recommend doing that. And I would also recommend hilling the soil up at the base of the plant just to help make sure that the roots have plenty of soil there to grow into, grab onto, and even the bottom of the stem has a little bit of support from that extra soil. But really, you know, staking, even if you do that, I, I think is is going to be necessary if you're growing quinoa. I honestly, I, I don't know how they do it in big commercial operations. Maybe they just let it flop all over the place because, you know, they don't have a tomato bed right next to it that it's invading and they don't really have to worry about it as much. But if you're a home gardener and you're kind of trying to grow quinoa in a small-ish space or a space that's near other beds, you are going to have to do put a decent amount of work into keeping it under control. Next, be patient when it comes to harvesting. So you'll notice quinoa starting to change colors sometime in August, I would say, but it's got a long way to go from there. The colors will deepen and become more vibrant. So they'll start to fade from like green to like a pinkish color and then they'll go kind of like full-on like red and orange like maple leaves it's very very pretty but the seeds usually aren't ready to harvest until around the first frost which for me is around mid-october so like i said they'll start to change color in august but they won't be ready to harvest for about two months after if you're on the fence about whether or not to harvest your quinoa use a fingernail to try and puncture the seed. The seed should be hard and and fairly difficult to dent and, and pretty dry. That leads me to my very last tip about growing quinoa, the, the drying part. Drying out your quinoa can be really hard depending on where you live. And it has caused me some heartbreak in the past when I, I didn't know this and I didn't have a process set up for it. So If your quinoa has kind of started to dry out on the stalk and then you get hit with a bunch of damp fall weather, that seed can start to do one of two things on the stalk. It can either start to sprout right on the stalk, and and it will, and it looks like a big old medusa head on, on your plant. It's really freaky looking. Or it will start to mold. Um, And this happens, like I said, in prolonged durations of really humid slash rainy weather. It just doesn't get a chance to dry out again. The sun doesn't come out for three to four days at a time. 
and things are so persistently damp that mold has a chance to take hold. And once those seeds start to mold, I'm sorry, I wouldn't take a chance with it anyway. They're just not safe to eat. So once it gets to like late September, mid-September, late September, so about a month after they start changing color, I do everything I can to one, watch the weather really, really closely. And if it's going to rain one day, not a big deal. But if it looks like it's going to be cloudy and rain for like, I would say even two days or more, I will go out and I will tie a plastic bag around the top of my quinoa stalks just to keep the rain off of them. You know, you don't have to tie a plastic bag over them. You can get plastic sheeting and sort of anchor it down to the ground like a tent. If you're bending the stalks over in order to do that, it's honestly not that big of a deal because, you know, as long as you're not uprooting them in order to do that, like I said, the stalks are really flexible and you just need to keep them in the ground long enough that that the stalks finish out, you know, drying. So once it stops raining, once that really wet weather has moved off you can uncover them and they should dry out pretty quickly since they didn't actually get you know doused with rain but you don't want to leave that plastic covering on there all the time because then it can get too hot and kill the plants so is it a lot of work if you live in a place that typically has really damp rainy fall weather yes I will admit if you're growing quinoa the drying out part is is kind of a pain in the butt. If you don't want to do that, if you don't want to dry the seed on the stalk, honestly, you don't have to. Once the seed has turned that really vibrant, bright red or orange or deep brown that I talked about, you can honestly cut them down, bundle them up, and hang them upside down in your garage, in your basement, just somewhere that is dry and has really good air circulation. I wouldn't bundle them up very tightly. You want, you know, enough air to be able to move through the the sort of seed bushels and you don't want that humidity to build up, which can still happen even if it's in your house. If you have a dehumidifier, if you want to hang them upside down in a room with a dehumidifier, that works really well. I would also, if you're going to hang them up in the house, I would put some plastic sheeting or some sort of pan or something underneath the quinoa stalks to catch the seed if it starts to dry and just naturally fall off the stalk because it will. So that's another sort of recommendation that I would have. If, if you don't want to leave it outside to dry, which totally get it. I understand. I don't do that anymore. I leave it outside as long as I can and then I cut it hang it upside down in indoors. Just make sure you're giving it lots of air circulation, dehumidifier if you have one, and putting down some sort of plastic sheeting or something underneath to catch the seeds that fall off. Of course, there's the whole sorting through the seeds and winnowing and everything like that, and everybody's going to have their own processes. Typically, what I do is I set myself up in front of a box fan and I rub the seeds between my hands and as the sort of the litter kind of like rubs off, falls out of my hands, the fan will kind of blow it out into the yard. 
again, a very time-consuming process when you're growing grains at home. That's why a lot of home gardeners choose not to do it. And also why I tend not to grow quinoa every year. It's really only if I have the energy for it, if I'm up for it again. So be aware that, that that's also going to be something that you're going to have to take time to do. But yeah, hopefully, you know what, if you're interested in growing quinoa, those little tips will give you a little bit more confidence going forward. In the next episode, I'm going to be talking about what to plant in a culinary herb garden. So I love to cook. Love, 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 love to cook. I can't get enough of it. It has made me so, I mean, it's always made me happy. I started pretending how to cook when I was a baby. When I was like one year old, I would, my mom has a picture of it actually. I would sit on the kitchen floor. She would give me a wooden spoon and a pot and I would pretend to cook while she cooked dinner. And it still makes me that happy. Uh, albeit, I usually have a glass of wine with me, but it still makes me very relaxed. It makes me very happy. And I love going out to the garden and snipping off you know, some fresh herbs or snipping off from the pots that I have overwintering in the basement to put in dinner. They are, they are fresh. They are homegrown. I know exactly when, what went into them. It's just the best experience and they smell so good. So even if you don't have a whole lot of space, like let's say you have a balcony garden, I would, I would so recommend you planting a culinary herb garden. And in the next episode, I'm going to be talking about sort of my top herbs that I feel like you should plant in a culinary herb garden and why. So that's what's on deck for next week. But until then, thank you so very much for listening. I'm so very excited. It's March and daylight savings, if you're in the U.S., is not very far away. And I can go running outside in the evening again, and I can spend more time in the yard. I can't wait. I just cannot wait. And we'll be there soon. So I hope you're happy and you're healthy, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Grow Your Own Food podcast. Visit beeandbasil.com for helpful how-to articles, images, and recipes.